When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's face it, with coffee starting at $5, yes, even without any customizations, and our bank accounts somehow always depleting, we are officially entering a dupe session. Most products do the same thing but are priced differently solely based on the brand name. So a good duplicate, or dupe, is crucial for getting the highest quality at the best price. One dupe you definitely shouldn't sleep on, Raycon Wireless Earbuds. Raycon is premium audio at the perfect price point, so you can listen to what you want, when you want, without breaking the bank. That means you can still get that $10 Starbucks drink. Raycon's mission is to prove that you shouldn't have to pay an arm and a leg for quality sound and essential smart tech listening features. You can get a pair and a spare, and still pay less than you would with some of those other big-name tech brands out there. Raycon knows that in this economy, every purchase needs to be perfect. They offer buy now, pay later options. Right now, you can pay as low as $18 at checkout. They have an easy and free return guarantee. They offer two years of product protection insurance for just a few bucks. They offer free domestic shipping and flat fee international shipping. They have over 50,000 five-star reviews. Some of my favorite features include would be the custom gel tips for the perfect, most comfortable in-ear fit, so it fits in nice and comfy, as well as eight hours of playtime, so if I'm going out for a long walk or whatever, I can have them charged up to up to eight hours and don't have to worry about it at all. Go to buyraycom.com slash THPN today to get 15% off your Raycon order. That's buyraycon.com slash THPN to score 15% off. Welcome, everyone, to the PJ's Cast. I'm your host, Pierce, alongside of my good co-host, Reagan. But we have a very special guest today here joining us from Sportsnet. We have Satir Shah. How's it going, Satir? Uh, I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? Uh, doing pretty well. Um, it's pretty well. It's eight o'clock where I am right now. I live in Alberta, and Reagan right. lives in. You're you're in the Eastern time zone, right? You're at ten o'clock right now. So yeah, I'm over in Indianapolis. <laughs> yeah. so, We're up a little there. late. Yeah. Yeah, you guys are late. It's, it's seven p.m. out here uh, in Vancouver, so not quite as late, but we're getting into the evening time. Yeah. Yeah. Alrighty. So um before we get into to any of the questions about the Canucks, I just have to ask you, how was how was this season covering the Canucks and kind of how did you get into like doing sports broadcasting and working with like around the Canucks? How did that all that stuff s- start? Oh well, yeah. Well, I mean it was a it was quite the uh, chaotic and dramatic year in Vancouver, especially with everything with Boudreaux and the coaching change and Bo Horvat getting traded and everything else going on with the organization. So it was uh, quite a bit of chaos this year. So it, it yeah. wasn't short on storylines to talk about, but at the same time, you know, you kind of wish for a more successful hockey team and not quite as much drama and just more, you know, a- actual focus on the ice instead of everything else going on with the organization. Um, as far as how I got into hockey, I mean, I've always been a huge hockey fan and, um, when, when I started, uh, in broadcasting, it was because to get into, you know, doing something in hockey and sports more than anything else. And this was back in 06. Uh, and yeah, I just got in doing some working in AM radio actually, uh, uh and just kind of doing just music stuff for, for, for a bit. 
and it just kind of worked through for a few years in a small market in Edson, Alberta, where, where I got a chance to actually cover the Edmonton Oilers because it's only um, two hours uh, west of Edmonton. Yeah, so I we, live we in Edmonton. Have, I know where Edson yeah, is. You know where yeah, Edson yeah. is, yeah. So I used to come and, and cover quite a bit of Oilers games. So that's how I got my foot in the door and covering some hockey games. And eventually I moved to Vancouver and one thing led to another. And I started producing a morning show uh, at Team 10, TSN 1040 at the time. And after a couple of years there, I moved on to Sportsnet 650. And here uh, I host the Canucks show and uh, do TV analysis for the team as well. So it's been a journey that took about, what, 17, 18 years. But, you know, it's it's paid off eventually. It's well worth the journey for sure. I feel yeah. feel with like a lot of people when you get into broadcasting or radio or that kind of kind of career you usually start off you know small being like an intern or somewhere being yeah. an assistant of something and maybe you're doing something you don't really like but what you kind of slowly move your way up and then you finally get to nail down what you like when you have a lot of practice you get to connect it with people and all that stuff mm -hmm. yeah no absolutely so yeah um before we ask you questions about the canucks so we're just letting you know we're both blackhawks fans so yeah i feel kind of bringing up like a lot of the off-i stuff unfortunately like the blackhawks have right. had to deal with a lot of off-i stuff the past couple of years and we, 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 we i guess we kind of understand from the canucks end of thing i think there's a lot of similarities between the two teams with them kind of just being middling mediocre teams and mm -hmm. the blackhawks obviously kind of decided to to go on a full-on rebuild and obviously they made a lot of made a lot of trades made a lot of moves to make the teams worse and ultimately they got incredibly lucky yeah with the lottery yeah like there's there's no other way to put it but yeah. the canucks kind of just it seems like the same old same old even switching over the management and and, and coaching and they you have the 11th overall pick now mm -hmm. and you know, it's it's not a bad place to be in, but like to have the eleventh overall pick, I suppose. But it just feels like year after year, they're not they're not you know great enough to make the playoffs or make even make a push for it. But they're also not bad enough to mm -hmm. to kind of fall in and get even like a top five pick. So um, I just got want to ask, like, what do you think the Canucks should do? Because I just every I see one move, like I'll see the Bo Horvat trade, and I'll be like, that's a great rebuilding move like it obviously would suck moving on from a fan favorite the captain of Bo Horvat but you got back a first round pick you got Acherachu who's a you yeah. know a decent prospect but then you flip that pick for Philip Peronik and again getting a defenseman I feel a right-hand defenseman who's kind of in his mid-20s that's not bad but I just feel the Canucks would be better off keeping that I think it was the 17th 18th pick from Detroit and just using that to to kind of rebuild and choose someone a bit younger yeah, no, I totally understand what you mean. And that's kind of been the, the, the push and pull in Vancouver from, from a lot of the fan base. So the team's been taking shortcuts and always trying to sign some free agents. And they find themselves being capped out, not having a ton of assets. And you kind of get stuck in hockey purgatory. You know, you're not, you're not really committed one way or another. You can get stuck there for quite a long time. And Vancouver's been there for a while now. But the one thing I will say, at least with the Bull Horvat trade and getting Philip Perlman, who are a bit younger – it, it's a younger player who fits at least with Elias Pettersson and Quinn Hughes, mm -hmm. who are tremendous hockey players. So, so at least they're targeting the, the younger right type players so far. And we'll see if that actually does pay off next season. Because I do understand to some extent, if you have Pettersson, Hughes, and Demko, it is hard to tank unless you trade one of those guys. Yeah. So if you're willing to trade, you know, Demko, then then sure, you know, we can talk about 
you, you know, you can be bad enough to maybe get a top five pick. But as long as you have a goalie like him, and he came back and only played 30 games this year, but he was tremendous down the stretch, and he showed what type of talent that he is. And he's still a player who's 27 years old. So I can understand it's hard to, you know, just trade a player like that and get rid of him. Uh, it's hard to get rid of a player like Quinn Hughes, who's 23 years old, 24 years old, 23 years old. And, you know, he he has four years left on his contract. And then Elias Pettersson, who this year had a, you know, 100-point season and is, and is aligned for a massive contract. So it, it's kind of hard to punt on those players. And ultimately, we'll see if they're making the right evaluation on a player like Philip Peronic. But they're still got to get a lot significantly better. And since they're taking this kind of road and they're not bad enough to get the high draft pick, they can't miss on any of their moves coming up this offseason. Like if, the, if they miss on Hironic, for instance, he's not the right player, then they're stuck here for another four or five years. Then you're forced to trade a player like Patterson or Hughes. Because mm-hmm. I feel they have like the ba- major pieces down when building a team. Like you have the goalie Thatcher Demko, mm-hmm. you have that number one defenseman with Quinn Hughes, and Elias Pettersson is the number one center. I feel with a lot of the teams, it's kind of the other way around. Like they have, yeah. you know, complementary pieces, but they don't have those, you know, kind of franchise altering pieces. But the Canucks are the other way around. They don't really have much mm-hmm. to to kind of help them out. And uh, I'll give the I'll give the floor to you, Reagan, because I feel this next question kind of because they still have the eleventh overall pick, and there's good, there's a good like chance that maybe a player falls potentially. Yeah. Yeah. So, who do you think is a prospect that the Canucks like should target uh, in the draft at eleventh overall? Well, I think it's going to be really fascinating, depending on who's going to be available at eleven for Vancouver this year. I mean, there there's so many um, intriguing players, but outside of the top three or four guys, I mean, if you include Will Smith with uh, obviously Connor Bedard, Fantilli, and and, Eric, and uh, Leo Carlson. And we'll see where Mitch Cobb goes. But, I mean, those five guys seem to be in the top five. But then outside of that, it's, it's kind of anybody's guess, you know. And I think it comes down to what your preference is. But as far as what Vancouver is concerned, they really want to get a higher-end center and they really want to get a, a defenseman. And I think when you look at that range, whether it's Ax, uh, Sandin, Axel Sandin Palika or whether it's somebody like uh, David Reinbacher, if either player is available and there's been some buzz that Reinbacher might go high, even as high as five or six potentially, and Sandin Palika has been already linked to the St. Louis Blues potentially, who picked number 10 and Vancouver's at number 11. And then there's a guy by the name of Tom Willander who's really been gaining a lot of steam, righty defenseman who has a very nice, mature game, and he's got some offensive upside as well. He's got some size. I wouldn't be surprised if Vancouver's at 11 and those two defensemen go ahead, that the Canucks kind of target in on a guy like that. Otherwise, if a guy like Zach Benson is available, I think he just might be way too talented if he somehow, some way drops down. And if two, two defensemen go above number 11, I can see Vancouver taking the best player available like they did last year when they took uh, Lakiramaki. They had Lakiramaki, I believe, as high as eighth on their draft board. So when he was there, they ran up and took him, even though they would have preferred to take a center or a defenseman. I feel like that's what you got to do at the draft, especially if yeah. the defenseman goes high, even if you don't get the defenseman you want. Like, they're still going to be an elite forward, even if it's not a center. Like, again, mm-hmm. like a Zach Benson, I feel would be a would be a really good would really good pick for them. Yeah. And, Oh, sorry. Um, for the next for the next topic, it kind of links in with the, with the Blackhawks and the Canucks. Like another concern with the Canucks is that they do have a lot of money tied up. Like they don't have much wiggle room. And I feel the and again the Blackhawks are the exact opposite. And I feel yeah. 
I feel like there's been a lot of like buzz rumblings, whatever you want to call it between that. They might like flip the picks like 11 because the Blackhawks have 19 and, mm-hmm. you know, maybe they take a contract back like a Connor Garland or a Tyler Myers or even a Brock Besser. And I'm just wondering, you know, what's kind of the high, like the likelihood or possibility of that happening and what players could kind of go to, to Chicago if that were to happen. Well, I, I still ultimately think um, it's something Vancouver will be looking at is, getting creative and shedding cap space. They, they really want to create cap space. They want to get a third line center. They want to improve their defense, but they're capped out completely. They, they even, you know, they have to go into long-term injury relief, LTIR, just to essentially sign back guys like Ethan Bear and fill out their roster at this stage. So it shows you there's an immediate need to clear cap space. And because they're in such a poor leverage situation, they're going to have to consider all types of options. And one includes maybe using your draft capital but trading down to maybe shed a contract. And I'm not quite sure um, whether Chicago will be willing to actually give up not only 19, but a high second round pick to do so. Yeah. I, I still be surprised if Chicago is willing to do that. But if they were, I would have to believe it's a player like Connor Garland, who has three years left in his contract, is actually a very productive hockey player. He's really good. Um, he can put up some points. He just hasn't had that opportunity in Vancouver because as as much as Vancouver has his issues, they have a lot of, you know, wingers on this team and guys who, who do play with Pedersen and, and, and JT Miller and Garland hasn't been, it hasn't been a fit with either player. So he's been forced to play in a third line, but he still produces. Like he's been one of the best five on five producers on the team. And he's a player who's, who's a definitely net net positive. I can see Chicago being interested in a player like that. He, he fills some cap space. Um, I think if they want to flip him in a year or two, they can certainly do so. If not, he can help them out. And he's going to be a good player. He's feisty. He gives you a little bit of offense. Maybe slightly overpaid for what he brings, but he's still as a positive type of hockey player. So, so I, I would have to believe he'd be the preferred player if I'm Chicago. The other candidates, to a lesser degree, are Brock Besser, although it makes a bit more money, 6.65 this year and next season. Uh, you could, however, however, envision how Connor Bedard, who's, who's a big Canucks fan, uh, watched a lot of Brock <laughs> Besser. So if you want to appease, uh, you know, Connor and, and bring a familiar face next to him. Maybe you have added incentive to to look at a guy like Brock Besser. But the sense we're getting so far is that it's unlikely Besser gets traded. The contract is just a bit too high, six point six five. Again, it's kind of like Connor Garland. He's a good player. He's productive. He can be even better than what he showed last year, but just slightly overpaid. And in a capped out world, it just doesn't have a ton of value on the trade market. And the more unlikely, I'd say, uh, possibility is Tyler Myers. Um, he makes six million on the cap, which hey, Chicago can easily fill that. Sure. Uh, he, he has a signing bonus issue where he gets paid five million in the signing bonus payment, so he's getting paid six million this year. Now, hey, depends on how willing Chicago is to take that or whatever. But he's a player that once you get to the trade deadline for Chicago, if they retain some money on him, they can easily get a second round pick for him at the deadline. Uh, big righty defenseman, he's gonna you know, he's close to playing a thousand games in the NHL in a year or two. Uh, those guys are always coveted. He's the only issue with Myers is he's overpaid and gets overplayed, you know. But we see throughout the playoffs where guys like him, whether it's been Good Branson and other teams, Adorov, you see it in Chicago and past, you've seen it in you know other markets. These guys can play and help you out as long as they play suitable minutes for them. You can't ask them to go out there and play 24, 25 minutes and play in all situations, and he's just not capable of doing those that sort of thing. I can see him being an asset. I just see that being unlikely. So, so I'd say going back to Garland, I think that'd be the more likely one. And uh, I, th- I think Vancouver's open to it. I'm still skeptical about 
ultimately how high Chicago, how 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 high a price Chicago is willing to pay to do it. Yeah, because I know they want to move in the top fifteen. Vancouver, I don't think would mind the 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 you know moving back eight picks or whatever mm-hmm. in the first round, especially if it's to pick up another you know potentially like picking the the like high thirties or low forties yeah. or whatever their their mm-hmm. picks are at right now. But I just feel Connor Garland just makes almost too much sense because yeah. I, I could I feel that Brock Besser they would want to make I guess more of a a, a quote unquote hockey trade with him and yeah. you know not it being a cap dump and Tyler Myers it kind of the same thing as. As Garland to an extent, I would say more of a cap dump, but I feel kind yeah. of Garland's kind of in the middle where he is a cap yeah. dump, but you're still getting an efficient player and who's going to help out because you don't, again, you don't want Connor Bedard playing with a bunch of, you know, fourth liners and third liners. You do need guys who can yeah. play, play in play in the top six. And even if he doesn't fit into their future plans, like they can flip him at the trade deadline or even retain Sal. Like they have the, the flexibility to, to, mm. to do all that. Yeah, they certainly do. And I think the thing with Garland, too, is there's more upside. And if he gets the big opportunity, maybe he becomes, he can do even more than what he's shown so far. He just hasn't really been able to do that in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, kind of past, past the draft. Uh, Reagan, this next question, I'll, I'll give this to you. I'll let you take the floor. I think Reagan froze. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, there we go. You there like froze, you you like froze I, on the stream, yeah. <laughs> my Chrome like crashed, and I was like, "Oh no!" Because <laughs> I like saw your screen. I thought you were just st- sitting there, and then like look at the bottom. Like, oh, you're in there twice. <laughs> no, my like uh, Chrome window crashed, and just like oh. so. Sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, I'll go. Uh, uh, so like moving kind of like past the draft. What do you think the Canucks could target in free agency? Oh, that's going to be interesting. Uh, I think their targets um, are, for the most part, unless they're able to clear cap space, going to be depth type of players. So I think um, we'll see ultimately how they go. But I think if they can clear enough space, the type of players they go after is a guy like Evan Rodriguez, who is a righty to centerman. Um, it kind of depends on what his price range is. I think the Vancouver wants to be in that three million range, two and a half to three million. Uh, now, maybe a guy in the lower end I can see them being after is a Teddy Bluger, who Rutherford and Alvin are familiar with from their Pittsburgh days. Good penalty killer, bring, bring some speed, um, can, can kind of play that type of role, which the Canucks need on, on their on their team. That's the type of market they're playing in. I don't think they, they're going to be able to clear enough cap space to be after some of the bigger defensemen like Gavrikov, who I think they would like, but I don't think they have enough money to go, go after. And I think the type of forward, if they had enough space to go after, which they would, would be Barbashev, um, who I think really fits the profile of what Vancouver wants in their forwards and wingers. And he's a Dan Milstein client, and the Canucks have signed many Dan Milstein clients over the last little bit, Andrei Kuzmenko, Mikheyev, and uh, so on. So we'll see ultimately. But uh, it, it just comes down to how much money Vancouver has. And if they don't have enough money to get even Evan Rodriguez, then we're talking about a Teddy Bluger types, you know, Perhaps Nola Chari, that's a player like him, if uh, righty to centerman again on a cheap one-year contract. That's kind of the market they have to play in, unfortunately. It's not going to be an overly exciting free agent splurge for Vancouver this year. It's going to be more about efficiency if they're able to create cash space again, which is you know the buzzword I've kept saying numerous times already here. Definitely. Um, 
like the Canucks are just again like they're just so intriguing to me because I I I, I don't really know like what direction they're they're going yeah. to like obviously again when you have Demko and and Hughes and Patterson and if you can just surround them even with a bit of talent like that could really go a long way to kind of help and push and make them get them into the playoffs but then at the same time they I just don't think they ha- kind of have that team around those three main mm-hmm. pieces to to kind of help them not only make the playoffs but you know be a consistent contender year in and year out and obviously JT Miller is again probably the most like interesting part of that to me yeah. because supposedly there was a deal for him to be moved to Pittsburgh at the trade deadline do you still think they keep him or do you think they look to move him if uh, obviously if the if the right deal is there to move him cuz that's 8 million dollars for 7 years that you get off the books and obviously he's a great player but if he can maybe get you know multiple pieces back for them i think that would help them a lot and create a lot a lot of flexibility yeah i'm not sure um if they ultimately will end up trading him but i do think i, I kind of put it at about about a 20% chance that he gets traded this off season i still think the team actually does like him and down the stretch he played better like he had uh under talked he he did find his game and you know, he got 30 goals again. He was he had over 80 points. I mean, there were some issues with, with his play, but actually for $8 million for a point-of-game centerman, as long as he plays properly, it's it's not bad. It's like market – it's not – it's like, you know, it's it's kind of market value for it. And I think he can play at that type of level, and I think they do like him and think he can do better under Rick Tockett. And I think Tockett's a big fan of his as well. So I still think it's unlikely they trade him. But I think they're open to it if they're able to get enough – assets or the type of player they want and i think it comes down to getting another young centerman they don't really have many Aturatu who they got we're not even sure he's going to play center ultimately and he may be a third line center not really a second line center potentially they don't really have anybody else who's kind of a succession plan internally to come and be your second line center under elias Pettersson. so if you're moving miller it's going to have to be a move that gives you enough assets to go after your credible second line centerman or you're getting that type of young player back in return via trade, which I think is going to be unlikely because is a team going to trade you a future JT Miller for 30-year-old JT Miller getting paid $8 million for seven years? And I just think that's unlikely. But, uh, you know, I think they're open to anything. It's unlikely it happens, but we'll see. July 1st, once July 1st comes and goes, that's when his trade uh, no-trade clause kicks in. So the draft's going to have to be the time. June June twenty eighth, exactly mm-hmm. four weeks from now, we'll find out. Oh, that's right, four weeks. Are you going to Nashville for the draft? Uh, I'm not quite sure yet. It doesn't uh, look like we're going to go to Nashville quite yet, but uh, mm-hmm. we'll see. Yeah, yeah, because uh, our other co-hosts out here, we're we're heading to Nashville. We're staying there for four days, and then we're, nice. we're going up to Chicago. So we're <laughs> we're very very much looking forward to that. And again, I think the Canucks are going to be a are going to be a team that to to watch because i feel a lot of the teams that you know like kind of a tweener team like you don't know if they're rebuilding or going for it those are the Mm -hmm. kind of teams to watch and kind of kind of on that topic what are besides the canucks what are kind of some teams that you're you're keeping an eye on for the draft or and free agency well i think it's gonna be really fascinating to see uh well i mean obviously what i think chicago because of the number caps cap space they have um they're going to be I think they're going to be involved in a lot of different things via trade that opens up uh, cap space for teams. And the, the, the couple of teams that I, that I really am curious about is a team like Buffalo, for instance. They also have a ton of cap space. I think they're very ambitious to build on what they've had. Um, I know Carolina said they want to bring everything back, you know, with the team. 
I'm not sure it's going to be as feasible. And they're very creative in, in the things that they do. I think the most fascinating part of this offseason is the number of teams that are trying to create enough space and flexibility to go after some of these players. And ultimately, it's not really a good free agent class. Like There aren't a, a, a ton of higher-end players. So I'm not quite sure um, what's going to happen in, in that type of regard. But I do know a team like Calgary is also going to be very aggressive and trying to, I think, move a couple of guys. And I think they're a team that would have be be um, interesting to look at a free agency. Um, and then I do think Nashville is the other team. Where Barry Trotz came in today and he kind of mentioned that they want to change their identity, especially in how they want to draft players. And how does that also pertain to how they're going to use their cap space and decisions they're going to make with their team? And I think that's a team really that's going to be interesting to me about how they try to reshape their roster. Yeah, for sure. Another team to watch out, watch out for, I think, is definitely Toronto. Just with the GM yeah. change and just yeah. it just they're they're always the center <laughs> center of the hockey universe yeah. for a reason, whether that's for good or for that's for bad. But having you know what went down between Dewis and Shanahan, and then you know hire, hiring mm-hmm. Treleving as 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 a, as the new general manager, I, it's yeah. gonna be really interesting because it's because they obviously you gotta you know decide you know are you gonna. Because I think Mitch Marner has a move, no movement clause that kicks in July first. If they potentially want to make mm-hmm. some work there, you got to do it before July first. And then Austin Matthews is eligible for an extension. Same with Nylander. I just feel there's a, there's a lot of teams that are kind of in that position. I've and being a black, but being Blackhawks fans, I feel like they're going to be kind of not in the center of it, but they're going to be a part of a lot of deals with, you know, taking on cap or whatever, mm-hmm. being a third team, taking on more yeah. draft picks or whatever kind of thing. But yeah, there's, there's still hockey being played, but I feel we're kind of at that part of the playoffs now where yeah. we're there on those off days. You see a lot of like, you see co- coaches being hired, you see GMs being hired and other way around, like fired, like a lot of, you know, organizational moves are being changed, but it's probably going to be, you know, maybe another few weeks before we see the, the, the big trades happen. But yeah. ultimately I'm, I'm very excited for the draft, you know, besides, you know, Connor Bedard coming, being, you know, going first overall and all that. Yeah. I just think it's going to be a, a fun, a fun week in Nashville and a fun free agency. And it's crazy to think that we're like a, a month away from, from all this being done. No, I know it's going to be a flurry. And uh, I do agree with you with Toronto now as well, especially with um, some of the decisions they've made. And I think Trey Living's a guy that is very active in making trades. And um, I'm really interested to see if the, he does make a trade with his former team, Calgary. I know he's coveted Vancouver players in the past as well. And um, I think everybody looks at Mitch Marner, but I think the easiest thing still thing is to look at Willie Nylander and yeah. make that move. And that's what would be my guess. I think for all the talk around Marner, I think Needlander is ultimately the guy they move. And mm-hmm. we'll see if they can do something with uh, Matt Murray's contract because that one's kind of dragging them down a little bit as well because they need that added flexibility to get rid of that. And uh, we'll see how much they're willing to pay. They gave up quite a bit of draft capital this year already at the trade deadline to make a lot of, lot of their moves. So um, it's going to be really interesting to see if they can do some creative things but I think Trey Living's certainly a guy who's who's uh, very active in that regard, and I wouldn't be surprised if if Dubis and his situation drags on a little bit. So uh, I don't think he's he's willing to jump on Pittsburgh quite yet. Mm-hmm. So I think we're still kind of waiting to see where Dubis lands uh, ahead of free agency. But yeah, it's only four weeks away, and these teams that are trying to get their front offices in order don't have a lot of time, no. and a lot of the prep work's already been done by the draft 
and everything by the by the scouting departments already mm-hmm. ahead of the draft. So that should be all right. But in terms of team building and planning, yeah, time's ticking. For sure. Um, Stanley Cup finals start on start on Saturday. It's the Vegas Golden Knights and then the Florida mm-hmm. Panthers. And it's I don't think it's the matchup that really anyone expected. Maybe Vegas, but I don't think anyone would, would have expected Florida mm-hmm. got to this point. And again, it's kind of kind of interesting how you know trades can go bad or, or go great. Like in the case of, of Florida, it's interesting how they finished a point less than Calgary. Calgary to make the playoffs, mm-hmm. Florida to make the playoffs, and obviously they made that giant trade. But Matthew Kachuk is just has really propelled himself to at least, I'd say, a top 10 player in the NHL right now. And obviously, they're getting a bunch of contributions for everywhere. Bobrovsky's been incredible. And then you just look at Vegas. I feel they've kind of almost been under the radar all year. They were first in the Western Conference, I'm pretty sure. And they... Mm-hmm. You know, took down Winnipeg and they really shut down the Oilers and they they did the same with the Stars. So you kind of, I feel you have the team with destiny with, I guess, a juggernaut with with Vegas. And I'm wondering, what, what do you think about that series? Like, who do you think is going to win and what, what are you looking forward to? Yeah, I, I, I mean, I'm really fascinated. I'm really interested because, I mean, one thing I love is the fact that Neither team has won a Stanley Cup. I know. I always like. I always like seeing teams, you know? not even just in hockey, but in other sports, having a chance to to yeah. win their first chance. There's always something so cool about that, and seeing that in hockey, both teams, you, there's a guaranteed first time winner. That's pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. And I know uh, Vegas hasn't been in in the league for long, but you can't deny their excellence. Um, yeah. You know, through so far for, for as long as they've been in the league. Um, I, and I think Vegas is going to pull it off. That, that's my guess. I think Vegas takes this in seven games. I think the way Florida has been going, you can't. I don't think they're going down in under seven. That's what I think if you're losing, no, you probably no. them in seven games. That's that's the way they've gone. And they do feel like a team of destiny in in so many different ways. And that's why I kind of grappled with this, and I and I keep going back and forth. But I think ultimately, I think Vegas is going to win. And I think the reason I will pick him is I want to stick with my process of evaluating teams, and that's mm-hmm. looking at the teams and looking how they've played and. I just think Vegas is the better team. You know, that doesn't always mean you're going to win, uh, you know, in a series. And, you know, Florida has proven that already with how far they've come and how undeniably they've slayed all these giants in the Eastern Conference. So maybe they slay another giant and this one coming from the Western Conference. But I'd ultimately have to side and hedge with with the Vegas Golden Knights. I just think with, with how they can play, they can play the same kind of style. They have a lot of firepower on the team, too. I think Jack Eichel can go toe-to-toe with Barkov. I think Mark Stone is a guy that can challenge uh, Matthew Kachuk and play a similar style uh, in a different way. So I think they have some direct matchups. I think defensively, I like the edge for what Vegas has with Shea Theodore and Alex Petrangelo. Clearly, Bobrovsky is the best goalie in the series. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Vegas has gotten by with Aiden Hill more than fine, right? So. Yeah. Uh, we'll see if they if that holds up, but that that's that that's kind of where I would go. How about you guys? Oh uh, yeah, you go, Reagan. <laughs> I I honestly don't know. I can honestly see it going either way. I kind of agree with this, but the fact that Vegas, I feel like, just kind of flown flown under the radar, and I, uh-huh. like I didn't realize how good they were. But at the same time, I never expected Florida to make it this far, and the way they just kind of like steamrolled through the second and third round makes you think they have a really good chance mm-hmm. but i do kind of agree i'm kind of leaning towards vegas and seven but i think florida's gonna make it a really good series yeah yeah i, I agree i don't think florida's not gonna go down easily at all we, we've seen that just the way they came back against boston 
-hmm. You know, they they don't play that dominating style, but like they're just relentless. Like they're not going to have the puck more than the other team, but just the way they're so opportunistic, relentless, obviously great goaltending, timely scoring, help them get a long way. But I just, I just look at the way Vegas completely shut down the Oilers in Edmonton and then shut down Dallas in Dallas. And I'm like, I I, I can see them doing that to, to, to Florida, but at the end of the day, regardless of who wins, I want to see a game seven overtime. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I want to I want to manifest that into yeah into existence because I've said this the past few years now, and I don't want to say we've gotten duds in the Cup Finals, but we haven't had we haven't had a game seven since yeah. 2019 when Salos a Boston that was kind of a dud of a game. Like I want to see a close. I think it is going to be a close series, but I would just love to see a game seven overtime. I feel that that cherry on top. (laughs) I think that would be the most – I I love to see it too. I'm with you. I think to see a Stanley Cup final decided an overtime goal, you know, where both teams can win would be amazing. It's like a golden goal um, at the Olympics, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, at the, at the end of the day, though, I, th- I go Vegas and so it's sorry. It's <laughs> like overtime. It's just like that one lucky bounce that can make yeah. it go either way. Yeah. Which makes it. Yeah, absolutely. How about Con Smythe picks? I have Eichel for Vegas. And as great as Kachuk, I just feel if, if Florida wins, it's going to be because Bobrovsky is keeping up his place. So I'd go with Bobrovsky for Florida. Yeah, same. I, I'd say Bobrovsky. I'd say, um, you know what? I, I'd say Kachuk for Florida and Eichel for Vegas, just to be yeah, different. Yeah. Kachuk could be easily win it too. Like he's been incredible. Yeah. But yeah. I'm kind of agreeing with Kachuk because I feel like it's so hard for a goalie to like get the consmite, but I'd love to see Borowski yeah. win it, but definitely Eichel for Vegas. For sure. All righty, that's that's about it. Unless you have any more questions to ask Greg, and we can we can wrap this up here. Well, it was nice talking to you, Satir. Okay. Um Nice talking, obviously, the Canucks about you, but it was also it was also nice talking to you about just just hockey in general. So, um, thank thank you thank you for coming on, and uh, maybe some down time down the line we can we can talk again if maybe if the the, the Canucks and Blackhawks do make that trip draft. Yeah, for sure. If, if something like that happens, <laughs> we'll chat again. And uh, uh, pleasure being on the show with you guys, Pierce, Regan. Nice meeting you and chatting, and uh, uh, we look forward to chatting again in the future. Of course, thanks for coming on. We appreciate it. Light the lamp during the hockey playoffs with DraftKings Sportsbook. Right now, new customers can make a $5 bet and score $150 in bonus bets instantly. The Stanley Cup Finals starts on Saturday, and the playoff series props has the Vegas Golden Knights as negative 125 odds and the Florida Panthers as plus 105 odds. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and sign up with code THPN. New customers can make a $5 hockey playoff bet and score $150 in bonus bets instantly. That's code THPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Massachusetts, call 800-327-5050 or visiting gamblinghelpline.org. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369. In Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700 on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21 plus in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply.